Welcome to the Zanbergen Report, where wealth strategies and pop culture collide, featuring your distinguished host and certified financial planner, Bart Zandbergen. Welcome to our show of dream chasers and wealth makers. We are thrilled to be back in the studio today with a new episode of the Zanbergen Report. I'm proud to bring in the movers, shakers, and difference makers who are passionate about sharing what they have learned and what you need to know today. And today I'm very excited to have Deborah Miller, who is founder and CEO of Cure Duchesne. Deborah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Bart. It's wonderful to see you. Yeah, you as well. So for people who don't know, let's start there. For people who don't know what Duchesne is, can you can you give some, some input on that, please? Sure. Duchenne muscular dystrophy is a genetic disease that affects primarily boys. And they're usually diagnosed between three and five years old. And unfortunately, they start losing their muscle strength and um, stop walking around the age of eight to 15 in that range. And um, since your heart is a muscle and your diaphragm muscles are what keep you breathing, um, it does lead to an early death, um, unfortunately, for these, these young men, usually between 18 to 30 years old. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, from previous events, which we'll talk about, and then um, just doing some research on it. it sounds like there has been some advancements um, for more longevity. Um, are you are you starting to see that? Yeah, we definitely are seeing um, the life expectancy increase. In fact, since we started Curtishin almost twenty years ago, um, the life expectancy on average has increased about ten years. It used to be. Um, in the early, you know, the, the teens, when, when our son Hawken was diagnosed, uh, we were told that by 18, we would be saying goodbye to him. And he's yeah. 25 years old. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So let's, um, can we talk about him for a second? Always. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to talk about how, just what a wonderful, wonderful person he is and uh, what a wonderful young man, and how well he does at the uh, event that we'll speak of. Um, but just, Tell us about him and his childhood and how how you found out and what life has been like. Yeah, so this is definitely not what I thought I would be doing at this point in my life. Um, he was born just, you know, he's a big baby. He was 11, 5 when he was born. <laughs> Holy <laughs> yeah. cow. That's a well, big you've, baby. You've, you've met my husband and you know yes. he's, he's yeah. quite tall. And he warned me on the second date that, um, you know, it might be a little premature to bring it up, but he was 10 and a half pounds. And so just to be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Very confident uh, man you have there. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and so, you know, everything was great. We had this perfect little blonde haired, blue eyed guy and, um, you know, life was good. And when he was about four years old, we started noticing that he just wasn't keeping up. And he had, you know, just some things were, were off. His, his gross motor skills weren't developing. And we went to the pediatrician for, gosh, almost two years. And basically she told us that, you know, he's a big kid. He's got to grow into it. You know, 30% of, of babies never crawl. And so don't be worried about that. And every time I would take him into the pediatrician's office, I was that neurotic mom that they, <laughs> they would all look at each other and roll their eyes. Right. And so, um, you know, unfortunately I had to, to force and, and really do the investigation on my own, which many parents of um, 
children that are born with a, a rare genetic disease, they have to go through the same process. And it's, it's a very long journey. And so we had to research and find out that there's just a simple blood test to find out. And sure enough, you know, after um, almost two years of, of this journey, um, we found out that he has Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And that was the first time that we'd ever heard the word. And um, life changed dramatically with that one yeah. phone call. Um, and what, what, what age was he at that point? He was, um, he was five. He, his, that was in November. Um, so we're coming up on our, um, 20 year anniversary of his yeah. diagnosis next yeah. month. Wow. And, um, he was, his birthday's in January. So he was almost six years old. Okay. So, okay. 20 years, 20 years of the, of the, um, organization and his diagnosis. So, you in your career. So you were in what, marketing, communications, working a regular job. I mean, seemingly regular career. Um, yeah. What what got you from there to where you are today? Obviously, there was an inspiration. That's obvious. But but what, what were some of the steps? So I, I came from a sales and marketing background. I was working for PC Magazine and always in computer technology, advertising sales. So um, I, you know, I, all I can say, it's just, it was a mom's determination. Um, I think that it's really that simple that yeah. I just couldn't not do anything. And I would like to say that, you know, I was brilliant enough at that point that I sat back and had a business plan for Cure to Shin for the next 20 years <laughs> and I knew exactly what was going to happen. It yeah. wasn't that way at all. It was basically, I, you know, I, I'd raised money before. And so I wasn't shy about that. And so research is expensive. We wanted to find a cure. I knew we had to raise money. So that was kind of, you know, the, the two elements we had at that point. And, and at that point, it was just basically funding the first research project and then the second one. And, um, you know, all through the history, really, of Cure to Shin, it's been just having organic and natural gaps appear um, first it was research and then with, you know, uh, care issues and then with, you know, empowering the families and then a biobank. And it just seems like, um, I'll, I'll tell you exactly. Yeah. Um, several years ago, um, when Kurdishan was very young and, you know, I was always second guessing myself, like, am I crazy? What do I think I'm doing? I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a scientist, you know, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and I was talking to um, somebody, I can't even remember who it was. And I was like going through this, this kind of second guessing about, you know, we're at a point we, we've grown and the next step is to really blow it out more and make an investment and hire people. And, you know, so he, I, it was really good advice. He said, you'll know when it's time, if, if you'll know that you're doing the right thing and you'll know it's time to, to move forward. If you feel that it's, pulling you versus you having to push it. And wow. I, I really think that that's very sage advice. And that's honestly how it has felt every step of the way, because we've kind of stair-stepped, you know, with our growth where we hire a certain amount of people and we have a certain amount of programs and we're happy with that. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm not looking for more work usually. And, but just obvious gaps occur within the Duchenne community of what needs to be done. 
And I, like I said, I just can't say no. And so we fill that gap. And so that's kind of been the way that we've grown is by just really understanding the needs of the Duchenne community in terms of care, research, and just listening. Yeah. Yeah. So you formed the organization the, the same year that you got the diagnosis, I mean, give or take. It was about a year after. Yeah. Wow. You don't mess around. <laughs> um, so in the beginning, I'm sure there was fundraising and, and research and all the stuff that you've talked about. Um, can you talk about your connection with Napa and Newport and how that came about? And how many years have you actually been doing that? This uh, will be our eighth year. Okay. Okay. And uh, yeah, we've, we've been so blessed along the way in so many ways. Um, <laughs> I, my husband and I just, um, a friend of ours told us, um, gosh, about nine years ago that we needed some time away. And he said, there's this really great wine auction up in Napa Valley called auction Napa Valley. You guys should just go up. You might make some good contacts. Yeah. So we went up there and we just, you know, knew very little about wine and um, there was a, a lunch and we had our plates and we were looking for some place to sit down. And the only seats that were available were at a, a table that already had a couple there. And we asked if we could join. They said, of course. And so we started talking to them and we didn't have our Kurdishan hats on. Um, but they, this couple was just so nice and so interested in what we were doing and um, and just like pulling out of us, you know, what we do with our charity. Yeah. And it, it turned out to be um, Chuck and Ann McMinn from Vineyard 29. Okay. And so we, we talked this and that. Went home. One of our board members lives in Houston. He's quite the big wine collector. And I mentioned Chuck. And he goes, oh, I know Chuck. And so he called. Long story short, we already had an event planned in March. And this is October. So I flew up and met with, with Chuck. And he had a couple other vintners there. Um, Mike Davis from Davis Estates. And we, we chatted and talked and he goes, you know, you know, we'll bring, we'll bring some, we'll bring about 30 vintners down for your event. And this is in March. Right. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. You know, this is, I, I, hope they're, I hope they're good wine. Well, they're good. <laughs> this is Newport beach. Right. Yeah. And, and so he goes, yeah, I think, I think you'll be pleased. And so basically um, that was the year that we converted from just being a, a typical, you know, Marriott ballroom hotel, event to actually yeah. being Napa in Newport and Chuck brought down 30 incredible Napa vintners. And, um, the next year it was 35 and then 40 and then 45 and 47. And now we have a wait list. It's in your list. I mean, I'm looking at it right here. I highlighted some of my favorite, I mean, hundred acre moonside. And I don't, I don't know if you're into wine now or yet, but oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Because you've got some of the best of the best here, river rain, some of my favorites. Um, so I didn't know this. I I thought Napa Newport was a thing that you, that already existed, and you just invited them to be part of your um, annual thing. So you're saying basically you guys created it. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> that's the best. That's great. That's great. It's wow. so humbling um, when I when I you know this month later this month and I'm up in front of you know 450 people. Yeah. It is. It's so humbling. Um, because um, I'm so grateful to all the Napa Valley vintners that have come down and supported us over the years. It's it's just an unbelievable opportunity. Duchenne is a rare disease. There is, you know, like maybe 10,000 families in the U.S. That, that are touched with this disease. And so it's really hard to be heard, really hard 
to get people's attention and let them know that there's this need for research. And so um, because of, of the Napa Valley Vintners, they've helped put us on the map. Yeah, and you, I mean, you say you've been humbled, but I will say as a frequent attender and, and you know, your, your cause tugs at my heart, um, you guys are just amazing people. Thank I mean, you. you're, you're um, I just think your true being comes out when you're up speaking, you and Paul, and I haven't talked about Hawking yet. You, you and I were talking a little bit before we got on, on camera. Um, he is such a special young man. I mean, in so many different ways. Um, every time I'll just say it again. So every time he speaks, I always say that this is the year that he's not going to, he's not going to make me break down. Hawking is not going to make me break down. And he does it every year, my whole table, everyone I'm with, they're all, we're all balling. Um, and he's really come a long way, right? So he's, he's graduated USC and, and where's he with, is honors. He with, with honors. Thanks. Proud mom. Um, and where's he working now? He's a journalist, right? He's a journalist. Yeah. Um, he's working at an online publishing company called BioNews. And so they write about um, all, they have, I think, 60 different disease sites. And so he writes mostly about human interests with people that are affected by different diseases. Um, so he's, he's very busy with that. He also freelances uh, still for the Washington Post for okay, their um, okay. gaming. And he really yeah. loves video games and gaming. And so he's, he's pretty passionate about that. Yeah. And then he's, um, he's been quite active with, with Kurdishan also becoming more of a spokesperson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I forgot if he has any brothers or sisters. No. Nope. Okay. Um, what's a day in the life for Hawken? What does that, what does that look like? It's gotten more difficult. I mean, it's, it's, it's a gut punch. It really is. Um, yeah. we just got back from vacation and um, it's, it takes a lot of help now. He's had to um, hire a full-time caregiver. And so just a lot of things that you take for granted, he's not able to do it on his own anymore. It's, it's tough. Yeah. And that's gotten progressively worse every year, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, his attitude is incredible. He just, he just goes. He keeps plugging away. He's you know, he talks about his career and what he wants to do and, you know, love to be dating. And yeah, um, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if there's any cute young women listening, um, you know, come talk to mom and I'll, I'll, I'll do the vetting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Proud mom. Careful mom. Um, how much did you raise last year and what's your goal for this year? Last year we had a record year. We raised 1.5 million at Napa Newport. This year, I'm I, I don't want to jinx it, but I'm going to put it out there and yeah. say that our goal is two million. Whew. It's tough. I mean, right now, you know, the yeah. market's not great. <laughs> That's right. Crypto is not great. So, um, yeah, you know, we'll we'll see how that affects everything. Um, yeah. October is we, you know, we used to have this in the, in the spring. We moved um, during COVID. Um, to be able to take advantage of this, the opening that we had last year. And so um, October has always been a tricky time to do an event because that's when the stock market usually crashes when it's going to crash. And so <laughs> caught up on that a few times, but um, I, I think the difference is now, and we, we haven't talked about venture philanthropy um, and this is like a really key cornerstone of our organization. Huh. Um, so 
drug development is really expensive. It's like, you know, a couple billion dollars in 10 years to get an approved drug to market. And 90% of them are going to fail along the drug development continuum. And so it's just so expensive. As a rare disease, um, most pharmaceutical companies or or large investors, VC companies, don't really want to go in and fund like really, really, really science. They want to see some data before they're going to make that investment. And so there's this gap between the academic scientists that are working on all these really cool ideas and the drug developers who, you know, are looking for good opportunities, but they're not going to go that early. And so it creates this opportunity for an organization like Cure to Shin, where we know the disease probably better than anybody. Uh, We have three PhDs on staff, and they are like the go-to people within the Duchenne community in terms of of expertise, scientific expertise. So when we find academic scientists who want to translate their their science into, start going into clinical trials or very early startup biotech companies, we'll go in and uh, provide seed funding which is you know, a very small amount compared to the overall amount to, to develop a drug, but it's enough for them to get a proof of concept. It's enough for them to go through and, and we help them from a scientific advice, advisory um, standpoint to put together a development plan, know what questions we need answered, how to get the, the right answers to find out if there's a there there. And so that's been our model. And because of that, we, we invest in the, the companies early on, we get equity. And we have um, invested in I think, 18 companies over the past mm. 20 years. And what we're really proud of, and it's hard to describe without a graph, but I'll try and do this. Okay. So we, we've invested in total about $26 million in research. About 20 million of that has gone into actual investments into to biotech companies. And that, that, that investment has been the catalyst for about $3 billion coming from venture capitalists, pharma companies, and other biotech companies that are investing in those companies after we help them get that proof of concept. And so what we've been so proud of is that we're able to, to again, put Duchenne on the map and to get the attention of, of really big funders. So um, it's, it's just been a wonderful business model. We've been extremely successful with it. And it appeals to a lot of business people. Mm. When we tell our story, and I think that's why we do well at Napa Newport, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of business leaders yeah, sure in the event. And, and they hear that we're not just writing a check to an academic institution and hoping for right. the best. We're actually in investing and, and guiding them along the way. And by the way, if there's a return in IPO or company yeah. gets bought or the drug is developed, then that money comes back to our charity so we can continue to reinvest in, in future research. Yeah, that is amazing. I, I didn't know that of the organization. That's great. Um, somewhat related. Have you ever heard of the term? I, I'll just say a donor advised fund. I have. Okay. So, um, I think that's something that the listeners should recognize. And you know, you can get money from a donor advice fund, right, Deborah? I do know that. I will tell you that we um, have not, we, we, we have received funds from donor advice funds, not, not very many. Yeah. There are people who, who have known us and they have their money with, within those funds. Yeah. I would love a way to be able to present to more people 
that yeah. that have their money there because it's it's a good you know it it, it I think yeah. it's important for people to understand what we're doing. So I have a few ideas for you. We'll talk. Uh, it doesn't pertain to the show, but I have some ideas for you there to get you more access to those with donor advised funds. And just for your information and then for the listeners, um, a lot of my clients have them, um, but that's money that's already allocated. It's already been technically gifted. It, the, the, the investor is still the custodian and the overseer of the funds along with their advisor, but the money never comes back to them. It has to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. So that's the beauty of that, so that, that um, they're set up where we can send checks directly to uh, 501c3s. And so I think that uh, would be a great source for you. I would, I would love to talk to you about that. Yeah, that's great. Um, and then just for listeners, since this is a business show too, what a beauty of the donor advice fund is typically people will fund them if they've had a, um, an unusual liquidation event. So higher than normal, you know, income level for that particular year. And if they're already charitably inclined or philanthropic in nature, and they know they're going to be giving money over the years, why not get the deduction the year they have that, that windfall? And then they have the rest of their lives, actually the rest of their lives, their kids' lives, however they want to set it up. And some have created somewhat of a legacy fund out of it. So that it, and because it's invested and theoretically it grows, maybe not in the last two weeks, but theoretically it grows and then it can be used to continue to fund. Anyway, that was a bit of an offshoot, but I think it's very relevant to, you know, just giving in general. Now, I would love to talk to you about that. We're, we're so close to, um, you know, how do you define a cure, I guess is, you know, yeah. for, for me, if, if my son has a, a meaningful treatment, I'll take that as a cure. And we're so close to that. We have three of our gene therapy projects are in phase three clinical trials. Uh, that's really good news. The bad news is it's only for really young boys, like four to seven years old. And so we've made such progress. And at the same time, it, it's great because we've, we've shown that we can do it. So the, what causes this disease is a missing protein mm-hmm. that, that basically um, stabilizes the muscle cells throughout your body, including your heart and diaphragm and such. And when that's missing, it, they just deteriorate. We have shown that we can create something out of nothing. We can actually, where there is no protein, we can we can create protein to, to protect the muscle cells. So it's you know it's mind blowing when you really think about it. And so we've we've established that foundation. And so I I wish my husband was here because he's so good with analogies, and yeah. I try I try sports analogy, analogies analogies yeah. them up every time. But I, I look at it as like we've just kind of reached base camp. And, you know, which is tough slogging and it's yeah. up there. Yeah. Um, and, and now we're, we can see the summit and we're, we're like ready to do it. We know what to do. It's just a matter of like pulling all the resources together. But my chief scientific officer and I were talking just last on Friday and, you know, we believe that within the next five years, if we can actually dedicate meaningful funding to it right now, we will within five years time be seeing a completely different outcome for these boys. Yeah, that's so amazing. Let's uh, let's talk about the event. Let's tell, let everybody know about it. Um, the date is again? October 29th. Okay, um, and the location? The Waldorf Astoria Monarch Beach. Okay, 
And it looks like Porsche is a sponsor again this year. Is that, yes. is that right? Okay. Yes. That's uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, who else are your major sponsors? Um, so I am going to um, have to defer to my event people. I, I've been working with Porsche myself. Okay. Um, no problem. By the way, Porsche, it's on the website. Is, <laughs> Porsche is an incredible uh, sponsor. Yeah. Just to put a plug in for them, I had a chance, my family had a chance to go to the Porsche experience um, is, off the 405 freeway. And is drive that not amazing? Is that a great? Really fast Porsches and it was so yeah. much fun. Yeah, that is. Um, I've I'm done a convert. A, I've done it a handful of times and it's definitely a highlight of my life. <laughs> um, well, you've got some great wineries. The food is always good. You guys are amazing. So I'm looking forward to the event again. And um, wishing you a ton of success, which I'm sure uh, you're going to do a great job. Uh, any closing words on the event or anything else in general? We're really excited this time. Um, we're always very grateful to the chefs, but we have the chef from Coach um, in New York and now Miami. And it's, I think, a really big thing. I've not been to their restaurant yet, but I'm looking forward to it. So really excited about that. And I think that the wine that's going to be there is going to be um, incredible. Yeah. Donna States is our, our Bittner chair. They've been wonderful to work with. They're very committed to the cause and we're so, so proud of them. Yeah. You have a local winery too, Alpha, um, I'm sorry, not, not Alpha Omega, um, Arrow and Branch. I was just at their Laguna Beach, um, um, I just call it corporate office. They're, uh, you're getting, you're into wine now right, a little bit, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Have you tried their, what they call their right bank, the, their uh, primarily Cab Franc blend? I think so. My, my husband actually bought, um, he won an auction item of like in the barrel auction. We had a lot of their wine for a while. So I'm pretty sure I drank some of it. It's wonderful. Okay. Yeah, it's wonderful. And, yeah. and they're really nice people too. They, aren't they nice? Yeah. Oh, they're really great. Nice. It's nice to have them here in our backyard as well. Yeah. All right. Um, it was great seeing you. Thank you for taking the time. I will see you in a couple of weeks at the event. And really I will see you on the 29th. All right, Deborah. Thank um, you. Thank you so much. I want to thank the listeners who have tuned in, and we look forward to being back in the studio next week. Cheers. Tune in next week for the latest edition of the Zanbergen Report, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Catch up on our recent shows by visiting podcast.bartzanbergen.com. The Zanbergen Report is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Interested in being a featured guest on our show or have a question you'd like to hear us answer? Email podcast at bartzanbergen.com. The contents of this podcast episode do not constitute an offer of securities or a solicitation of an offer to buy securities and may not be relied upon in making an investment decision related to any investment offering Access Wealth Management LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Access does not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the information contained herein. Opinions are our current opinions and are subject to change without notice. Prices, quotes, rates are subject to change without notice. Generally, investments are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed and may lose value.